Annyeong SAO! Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists and your K-Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. <laughs> so... <laughs> We do not have our maknae today. Megan uh, has landed in London. I have seen photos to prove it. So she made it safely across the pond. So it's Amy and I tonight, but we have a special guest who we are going to introduce in much greater detail in a little bit. But for right now, why don't you just um, say your name and a fun fact about you? Sure. My name is Devin. Um, A fun fact is um, the second screenplay I ever wrote uh, was actually a biopic on uh, Min Yoongi's journey to writing the first Augusty mixtape. And it was... How are you going to let her stop there, Leah? <laughs> and it was optioned <laughs> by an international production company. It didn't go any further than that, mostly due to COVID, but... Um, <laughs> Leah's losing her mind. Okay, I have a question, and you you can say no, but I didn't know this about you. So I'm just wondering, do you let people read it? I do. For fun and emotional support? I will give it to anyone to to do anything. I actually, I have, so I have the official, uh, I'm using the word official very loosely here, Um, not official from the company, but what I consider the official biopic, like I did the research, I tried to make it fit. I had to make some, you know, narrative choices um, to make some connections that I thought were going to work better for the story overall. But in general, I tried really hard to fit with facts, but because I didn't have the rights to it, I also made an original quote unquote version that follows the same general storyline, but just features made up people and characters. So we're going to talk a little bit in a little bit about like how, you know, we've gotten to meet each other. And I just want to say that sometimes the universe is great and benevolent. So to find (laughs) out like this at a moment like this is just, I mean, look, I used to not ever believe in fate and now I'm like, everything is magical and everything is connected. And that is just a better way to live. (laughs) So if you're listening, you may or may not know that uh, I really like BTS a lot. And uh, Min Yoon Gi, a.k.a. Suga, a.k.a. August D, is my favorite member. And we'll talk about that more. And what I wanted to just, what I was going to go into with Banter this week was um, his World Encore finish this week. So he did three uh, more performances of his D-Day show in Seoul. You know, I purchased the last three to watch live streaming when it was the uh, world tour ending a month ago. And was like, you know, this is going to be brutal. I'm going to be up at three in the morning watching these live. And I watched them. And at the very end, he's like, just kidding. I'm going to do three more. And at the time, I was so sleep deprived. that I was like happy. And I was also like, mother. <laughs> like, I cannot do this again. <laughs> but I was, I was like, of course I will. So I am like paying his mortgage. I hope life is good for him. I hope he has like 10,000 Galaxy phones at this point. And so I got the three-day show again. I got no sleep and I watched them all. They were all amazing. There were special guests each day. Uh, Jungkook performed the first night. Jimin performed the second night. And the last night Namjoon performed. And the two uh, enlisted members, J-Hope and Jin came and they were in the audience. 
And I think what I wanted to touch on was just the third show. And I mean, look, you may be at home like, why do I care? I'm here for K-drama, not here for Leah talking about K-pop yet again. This is what I want to say. Is that this show, like, truly let me feel what it is like to be a human being in this world. And I do not know how to explain it more than that. Like it was the most vulnerable performance I have ever seen in my entire life. And that is not just because I'm like biased towards this person. It was watching somebody basically like strip away all the outer barriers that protect us all and let us just kind of like bear walking around in this world as people (laughs) like, you know, because life is painful and bumps happen and we all have to wear armor to some degree. And throughout the show, like, it just kept stripping away until, like, he has three songs that are, you know, about emotional pain, uh, about trauma processing, about, and he has, um, he did a song for the last three shows that was, it's called Dear My Friend, and it's about, um, you know, a former friend he had when he was younger, he had big dreams with, he's kind of gone down one path, his friend went down a much darker path, and the vulnerability so does he cry yes he cried but it wasn't just that he cried it wasn't just that he like sobbed it was that he like became like a completely bare vulnerable person in a way that i don't think i've seen almost any human ever kind of become that vulnerable and they did it not only to a complete stadium and soul they did it for like an entire screaming world <laughs> and it was very overwhelming to watch and I watched it live with about four other friends from Afternoon Army or like adjacent to that podcast and yes I was sobbing but it was also like very it was painful it was joyful and I just felt really honored to be in the presence of like that much open humanity and I feel like it has transformed the trajectory of my life so I don't know what else to say except for that was my week. it sounds like a very worthwhile weekend um (laughs) despite the lack of sleep and i don't know like you you witnessed something live that was very major to witness live yeah i mean i would feel like if somebody was like what did you get up to this weekend i'd be like oh i watched somebody completely bare their soul and i'm not being ironic (laughs) so anyway let's like Go get some pizza. I don't know. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> yeah. So that being said, yes, I would very, very much like to see any fictional or non-fictional versions of storytelling you have to do around the subject, who I find incredibly fascinating, but also very inspiring as an artist. I don't know if I ever even. I don't even know if I have a goal in myself of becoming that vulnerable ever as an artist. Like, I really like participating in commercial fiction and storytelling, and I like to, like, put parts of myself into work. I don't know if I ever just want to be completely without armor to the entire world. It's ever. terrifying. So, I am, um, yeah. It's absolutely <laughs> terrifying to even think about. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's just something I think about when we, like, do creative work is, you know, yes, we put parts of ourselves in, but to put your whole self in, whew, yeah. that's a lot. I think it, and that's not required. That's never like a requirement to do. (laughs) No. And, and, and I don't even, I mean, like, I do think that he puts every ounce of himself into what he creates, but I also think that what happened with him in that last show, like it wasn't, it was inevitable, right? Like there was, there was too much, like there was no way he was going to hold that all in. And I love that he just did let it all out. 
regardless of where he was. Because he's a big freaking star. Like, he could have been, like, pause, go off stage, like, Mm -hmm. collect himself, but he didn't. And I think it says something, too, about the journey he's had with Augusty. I don't know that he could have done this at any point before. Because I think there's there are two different choices, or one is a choice and one is not. One is the choice, am I willing to put myself all out there? Am I willing to be this vulnerable? And the other is, do I even have enough self-awareness and self-actualization to be able to put myself out there and be that vulnerable? And I think most people just don't. I think he's had to be vulnerable in varying degrees for a long time for that to even be possible. Yes, I very much agree. And not to, I, I really do want to be sensitive that I, I, I think we are going to do a whole podcast tomorrow on like unpacking the D-Day experience over afternoon army. But um, if you have any interest or if you're familiar or you have interest, you can look at the music video amygdala. I will say like strong trigger warnings. It is, um, the, you know, there's uh, self-harm ideation, self-harm, you know, attempted, uh, it's a heavy video. It's also really profound. And so what became really clear last night was like the stage itself basically became, I really really like that became like what the room is in amygdala. Like you realize that like, that's what it is. And at the end of every other show, he kind of just walks out at the end of the last song. He turns his back on the audience and walks out. If it's the last show of that like town, he'll do a wave as he walks out kind of without looking and go. At the end of this, a door appears and an amygdala, it kind of represents the door between like how he, he can't get through the door to access himself, essentially. Like, you know, he's kind of like compartmentalized and trapped in like these identities. And at the end of this show, that door, that same door appears and he like opens it turns around, tells everyone he loves them and walks through. And it just felt, it felt like you went on a real journey with him. And I would think having like looked at the work and the emotional labor of like doing the other albums, I think it's interesting to see anyone process trauma and self-identity. I think it's interesting to see somebody work through like toxic masculinity or, you know, emotional protection and kind of like what you're allowed to feel or not feel, especially if, you know, you identify as a man and how that shows up. And so for me also just being holding a female identity, it also feels really healing to watch a man just like authentically work out their shit, especially after seeing Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing like Ken, I was like, oh my God, this is like the next he's, evolution. Yeah, he's Knuff. Knuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Seriously. So I love I I love hearing about that, and I want to listen to what Afternoon Army talks about with that, because um, I did not pay for the show. I was not up to see it, but I have watched clips, and it looks really, really profound. And I can't imagine what it was like to see that live, and at what time it was when you saw it live. <laughs> like, what time was the last concert? Because I know there were different times each night, weren't they? The last concert wasn't quite as bad. The last concert for me was at one. Hmm. But I was coming off of two nights of, like, basically no sleep. And it's not like you finish it and you're just like, and go oh, to bed. Right. Time for night night. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, and after that one, I just finished being like, well, what the, f-? like, now what? <laughs> right. Then I wake up the next morning, start living my life. And it's like, oh, just kidding. Now his military enlistment right. announcement's here. Which, I mean, like, in some ways I was like, fuck. In some ways, of course, it was coming. And in some ways I'm like, 
maybe this is the best way. Just like make it hurt and make it done, and just like let's just do it. <laughs> but I'm with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And then yeah, so it's just it's been like a week of. You know, fandom is a strange place. I've never been in a fandom experience like this until Korean entertainment. Like that has, you know, I feel like I've had like, I've gotten a little kooky with some of my fandom in the past, but never at this, never for this duration and with this intensity. And let's just say because it did happen today, and we are going to talk about it later, but that we do have a little bit of joy today with V's new video. So we at least yeah. we at least got that, and we will talk about that later when we get to our K-pop wreck. But we did have a good thing happen today <laughs> in BTS land, so I, I did want to point that out. <laughs> but here's a segue. I feel like we have a segue. Now. Okay, so the segue is is that you know we we've been pretty open with our origin story and how we got into Korean entertainment during the COVID pandemic, and we've been seeing this rise of Korean entertainment kind of coming to meet demand here in the West. So our special guest tonight, Devin Oberman, um, is a founder of a company called Banter English. And this is a company focused on equipping Korean entertainment companies with English language and Western culture skills aimed to help scale them to a global stage. So this is going to be a really fun conversation. I'm really excited about it. And just before we like get into it with Devin, I just want to say how we connected with them because I was saying how the universe works in mysterious ways. And Amy, you can weigh in with this. We had a Mm -hmm. conversation on the podcast like a couple months ago. And it was, I mean, Megan really was the main driver of it, but it was about how you know, the two of you were saying how much you love to write blurbs. We're all yes. writers and how you were feeling like, you know, man, I really wish that some of the dramas when they're pitching themselves to the Western market, like leaned in harder to like, their, I wish they were writing blurbs that felt like they were like what we were expecting as like. Right. Especially with the big, like, yeah, with like the big boom on Netflix, you know, with, with Netflix, you know, leaning into the popularity of Asian entertainment, which I'm really, really happy about. It's interesting to see that, that there isn't quite th- that leap of let's market this Asian entertainment to an English speaking audience um, with how we're going to reel them in kind of thing. Right. Um, every drama that we watch does have a blurb, but those blurbs are often what it seems like to me, like what I read um, online is just a translation of what the story is about. Right. It's not like, you know, when we talk about writing blurbs for anybody not in the, the writing community or the book community, like take any book off your shelf right now. If it's a paperback, look at the back cover. If it's a hardcover, look at the inside jacket copy. It is those couple of paragraphs that are like basically the movie trailer, right? For, for the book itself. And online, when you're going on something like IMDb or, you know, even just looking at, you know, the Netflix short little blurbs for shows, it's usually a couple of sentences to like reel you in. And in those, it's an elevator pitch, right? That tells you what that show is about. Um, and what we were finding, and it, it happens like every time we're talking about a drama and we want to give a short synopsis of the drama for anybody who hasn't watched it, who's listening to our podcast, I will usually put together like an amalgamation of stuff that comes from a bunch of different sources so that I know that it's accurate, but then I'll try and, um, 
I'll try and blurb it up, you know, like it's for a book type of thing and make people want to watch it if they haven't, because I want them to watch this drama. And so, yes, that was something that we thought that, like, man, we'd love to, like, find a way to, like, get in on that, like, of blurbing K-dramas or something like that for a Western audience. Um, and then what happened, like, literally, like, was it, like, the next day, Leah, that you got a message on Instagram? Yeah, pretty much the next day, we had a listener who was like, I was on LinkedIn, and I saw somebody who was talking about a company they have that has an aim to basically start to work with folks connected to the Korean entertainment industry and, you know, make log lines and pitches kind of more salient to Western audiences. And we were like, well, that feels like somebody we should talk to. We have a lot of questions. (laughs) Hi, it's me. So, here we are. <laughs> so, Devin, you know, you founded this company, Banter English. What's the origin story of Banter? So, Banter came about um, the actual company as a whole actually started in about 2019, late 2019, I want to say. Um, and it first was just general business English, like basically just business English coaching tutoring, whatever term you want to use there. Um, But over time, as I started to learn more about business in general, they were like, oh, you need to pick a niche. You need to pick something more specific so that when you do your marketing, you're speaking to a specific person's specific problems. And I was like, okay, well, I've been doing this English teaching for a while, but all of the rest of my background is somehow related to entertainment. Um, you know, the screenwriting, like I told you, like I mentioned before, um, I also have some experience with like touring, but grassroots touring, not like anything major, but I have dealt with venues. I've dealt with concert promotion. Um, you know, I've done all these things, arts administration. Like I know how to speak in the business of entertainment. I said, so what better thing for me to do than help other people in the entertainment industry learn how to speak that business because there, there is a business to it. Um, you know, like you mentioned before, an elevator pitch or a blurb or a log line, or if you're not in entertainment, might not know what those mean. Um, and the inter- uh, elevator pitch for entertainment is different from an elevator pitch for a startup is different from, you know, just regular networking. Um, and I'm like, there is a whole a whole thing here. So I kind of tested it out with um, a company I'd been working for at the time. Um, and they gave me a couple of my earliest clients. And I mean, just for one, it was just so much more interesting <laughs> than, you know, talking about like blockchain or something that I still don't really understand. But, you know awesome. Um, (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, I I know that this is a thing. I know that this is helping people. And it helped me grow as an educator, which is what really did it for me. It's like, this is fun and I'm growing. So um, I decided to shift to still doing one-on-one at first, um, like private coaching. But over the last year and a half or so, it shifted from being like a you know, B2C business to client, working one-on-one with individual clients with shifting more towards companies, mostly due to wanting to be more cost-effective because private teaching and private tutoring is, can become very expensive. Um, But if I'm working with small groups, then, 
you know, I can be a little more flexible with pricing and that sort of thing. And it just kind of grew from there because there are also a lot more interesting things that you can do with groups that you can't necessarily do one-on-one and all that. So that's kind of where I ended up and kind of got to right now. (laughs) That's awesome. And it sounds like super super organic kind of the way that it happened, mm-hmm. right? Like you're like, well, what do I know? What do I like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is there a space for me in this niche, which absolutely there is because I don't, you know, I'm not in that world. So I don't know who else is doing it, but it sounds like it's something that's needed mm-hmm. based on like what we were talking about on the pod and then what you were actually doing. So I think that's awesome. And I, I love that that connection happened. And it was, it was one of our listeners who were like, I just saw this on LinkedIn and I think you should look at this. And here we are. Here we are. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about like, you know, you don't have to give away like proprietary information by any means, but you know, like kind of like, how does it work? Like you were saying, like doing things in group settings can be fun. Like what are some things that you might be doing with clients? Like as much as you can speak to it. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, So I'm just think of some some use cases. The ones I like to throw around the most. Um, one of my earliest private clients, one-on-one client, was um, what kind of spurred the idea of like the it was a logline workshop. Is what I posted on LinkedIn. It was just like, is there anybody who would be interested in learning how to write a Hollywood style logline? Um, and I was kind of fishing towards non-native English speakers, but most of my LinkedIn following are native English speakers who are just interested in what I do, which is fine. I'm thankful <laughs> either yep. way. Um, and also, could you um, say what a logline is? Cause I think some people listening will know, and some people are going to be like, I have no idea what this even is. Sure. That's completely fair. And also part of the reason why I just went ahead and posted it in English instead of trying to post it in um, Korean was, I was just like, you know, if there are people who are native English speakers, but still don't know how to do a logline, they, are still, I'm still teaching how to do a log line. I'm not teaching you English. So a log line is basically, they say one to two sentences, but they really just mean one. It's one sentence that outlines the character, the core plot goal, so to speak, and the obstacles to getting the goal primarily to movies. Um, I know they've kind of started using the term a little more. You guys could speak to this more in depth than I can, but I've heard it trying to be used more in publishing, but I think it's really intended for the film structure. So just as a very generic example, it would be something like the prince, uh, you know, the prince of yada yada landia (laughs) desires to (laughs) win the hand of the great beautiful maiden, but there is a dragon that stands in his way. You know, that's like a super simplistic version of it, but it's character, goal, obstacle. And you try to make that as as possible. Yeah, I just looked up one to give to because I was like, I don't want to put the pressure on you just to like. <laughs> I, said, I, looked up Bar- I looked up Barbie. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, do Bar. I did Lion King. So let's do two because they're fun to compare. Okay, so do Barbie. Sure. Okay, so Barbie, this is right from IMDb. So giving credit to whoever wrote this on IMDb, Inter- Internet Movie Database for anybody who does not frequent the site like I do. Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. That's oh, That's it for okay. Barbie. Sometimes the tricky thing with IMDb um, is that they're giving what we would call a hook, mm-hmm. which yeah. sometimes they kind of 
if that way or the other, a log line is mostly used for like internal marketing purposes. So, you know, talking about my biopic earlier, if I really wanted someone to fund this biopic, then I would give them the log line, but they may never use that log line ever again. And they may come up with something that they feel is more hooky like that. So so here's the lion king which i think does what you kind of laid out with the conflict which is as he wrongly takes the blame for his father's death a lion cub grows up in exile and must return with his unlikely friends to reclaim the throne from his evil yeah, that's better that's better than barbie's <laughs> and no shade to whoever wrote that for imdb but that yeah the barbie one was much more like here's what it is we're not giving you much of the story, whereas that gives that's your whole, you got your whole story there. And I like to use that mm-hmm. there. There is, um, you know, we've talked before on the podcast about the book, Save the Cat, the screenwriting book, Save the Cat, because we, we've used it a lot mm-hmm. for writing novels. Um, and there is a lot there are logline examples in Save the Cat, if anybody wants to look in, in that book or look online and the Save the Cat stuff. And I like to use a logline um, formula a lot of times to start a book idea to be like, okay, can I, can I come up with the character? Like, what is the stasis? What is the catalyst? What is, you know, and then what are the stakes? You know, that's your, your conflict and stuff like that. And if I can come up with that much, then I try and build a story around it. So it is often like a lot of times, like you said, it's used for internal marketing purposes, but it can, if you're trying to generate an idea, it's also a fun way to try and like get a story idea together in one sentence to give like the gist of it and then see what you can build from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So circling back to all of that. So you were writing, doing <laughs> a log line writing <laughs> workshop so there. That's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I was pitching that idea just to the general, you know, public, whatever. But the reason that I came up with that idea was because one of my private clients was, ha- worked with a film distribution company and she was on their sales team. So she was trying to prepare their roster of films to present to the American film market and the Cannes film market as well. Um, so a lot of people, when they think of Cannes, they think of, you know, the festival of showing films and all that sort of thing. But there is a huge market of sales for international distribution as well. So anytime that we see anything less so with Netflix right now, because especially if it was Netflix original, because they don't need to sell that. It's already Netflix. <laughs> but if it came from somewhere other than Netflix and is on Netflix or maybe Vicky, I'm not exactly sure how Vicky works. But if especially if you see it in a theater, any of that, that all had to come from a sales distribution company and a sales process. And in order to do that, they needed to be able to sell the film in literally an elevator time, the 30 seconds. This is what it is about. This is why I think your people will like it. Um, and so I helped her with her portfolio at the time. And she just had these, I mean, they were lovely, very long compared to a log line, um, these descriptions, but they were always things like, um, you know, I don't remember any of the actual characters or any of the actual story. So, but it's something like, oh, Zoe is a beautiful young woman who is a great daughter and a loving wife. She is employed at an accounting firm where blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, you realize the whole story is she's like a con woman. You're like, I don't, was, is it the con that she's a loving wife? No, no, no. She just is. I'm like, I don't care then. (laughs) I don't care that she's a loving wife. There's all this extra like community based information 
where she fit within her community that was just like, America doesn't care. We don't care at all. And that was, that was tricky to get through. So. Um, Yeah. So going off of that, my next question is, you know, kind of around the lens of we're working, you know, we, we, you are working with um, creative professionals in another country who are, you know, presumably operating to like high degrees of satisfaction to like what their expectations would be within their roles. Right. And yet you're also kind of coaching them for this like Western market. And so because of that, I was just curious last night when I was kind of thinking about talking with you, what does cultural humility mean to you in that context? And how do you practice it within the scope of banter English? Sure. That's actually something that I think about a lot. Um, I probably overthink it in some situations when I could just allow myself to possibly make a mistake and be willing to accept a mistake, which I usually am. But sometimes I think I stop myself ahead of time. But how I've used this in the past is I think first it's important to understand why the thing is happening this way in the first place. So why are we talking about this character's being a good wife and a good, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And sometimes people don't know. Some things are so deeply ingrained in our culture that we're just like, what else would you do? How else would you describe this person? Um, So some of it is just trying to understand why the thing is what it is in the first place. Because if it is core to the culture, then changing it is no longer a translation. It becomes a, a whitewashing for better of a better term, Western washing, I guess. I don't know, culture washing. Um, and that's something that I don't ever want to do. So it's important to understand, you know, why is this? Is it just kind of like this? Okay. And then I explain, okay, well, here's how it's done in the U S and here is why it's done that way. And then usually we work together to determine, is this going to go against what you feel is representative of the story you're telling the company you're with and, or you personally. And if not, then let's see if we can just kind of, you know, make some adjustments and make it fit to appeal to whoever you're trying to make this appeal to. And that's usually the process that I followed and it's been pretty successful. Cool. Thank you. Okay. So this is kind of going along the lines of what, you know, what we're saying as far as, you know, we don't want to Western wash anything, but so what are some distinctions that you've noticed in marketing strategies for K-dramas between their country of origin and a Western country such as the USA? Because that, that probably goes hand in hand with what you're doing, right? You're looking at how to market this stuff. Um, so have you noticed that there is a difference as far as the way that they market and the way that we might market something of theirs? I'm still really digging into especially the how and the why, <clears throat> but I'm sure we've all seen, um, I feel like there are a lot of these collections of like weird Korean commercials, but then if you really watch a series of Korean commercials, you realize a lot of them are quote unquote weird um, to our taste. I guess you could say in the West, we want to see a commercial. We want to see someone really super attractive driving this really super attractive car on these curvy roads or whatever, you know, we're so used to that, that seeing something that's kind of goofy or kind of, you know, loud and bright. We just, 
want to think something like, oh, that's weird. That's childish. That's whatever. Um, as if we don't also do really weird, bizarre <laughs> commercials as well. Like I've watched Super Bowl commercials before, right. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> so I think there is a level of just even down to like what the graphics look like. And I'm speaking more broadly, not specifically to entertainment, but just marketing more broadly, even the graphics, um, the how information is presented on web pages is something I've had to learn quite a bit about as I've tried to build my own, you know, landing page for my company. Um, I'm still trying to learn this, the psychology of that marketing. And it's not something I have mastered yet. Um, I'm not sure what is appealing about it and why it's appealing about it, but there are certain things that you will see if you look at Korean websites that is very repetitive. Like there's almost always a pop-up or three. And at the bottom, it'll say, do not show again today, <laughs> like always. But there's that. But then when we get into entertainment specific things, I think the trick is that we just don't see a lot of marketing for Korean things in the same way that we do Western things in the West. So for example, Barbie is a difficult thing to use because the Barbie marketing budget was disgusting. <laughs> so of course we saw Barbie every single where that we went. But you know, if you want to think of any other movie that's, you know, a recently popular, it's like the Indiana Jones, you know, it's did decently well in the box office, but it, whatever, you know, you could see, I saw images on it on our buses that drove around. I have never seen one single image of any Korean content on the buses that drive around here. However, that's wildly popular in Korea. So some of it, I think, is just a matter of not really transplanting one thing from the other. And is that an issue of not knowing how, not having the right connections, um, or just not feeling like it's going to be a good use of budget? I think that's going to depend on the project. Um, but in general, I think that's probably the biggest issue is the placement and the approach can be very different depending on where it's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Sense. No, that's, that's a really good point. <laughs> okay. So, you know, again, you don't need to like get into the weeds with anything that you don't want to share. This is all safe space for you and, you know, our 10 million right. listeners. <laughs> um, but do you have any fun stories from your work that might be of interest to listeners? I think so. Um, so other than the one client who did the film distribution, actually most of my other clients have been related to the music industry more than K-dramas, unfortunately. But I am actively working on that, actually. It's one of my main targeting sales areas are um, in the drama area, Um which is tricky for its own. I won't get into that whole conversation, <laughs> but in the music sphere, um, I did get a chance to work um, live with a K-pop group. Um, I'm not currently allowed to say which group it is, but I am in contact with them again. So hopefully I'll be able to work with them again. And I will be asking if we can do some marketing materials together, which would be awesome. Um, but I did get to work with a group last year. And my favorite lesson 
that we got to do, and I talk about this all the time, is um, they were a little, they were kind of across the board. So it was just four of the seven members. And no, it is not the group that everyone <laughs> thinks of when you hear seven members. <laughs> and I worked with four of those seven. And they kind of ranged anywhere from very, very beginner level to I can make my way through a conversation if we take it slow and you repeat yourself frequently, um, but not, not high level speakers. And oftentimes one of the biggest issues is listening skills. So what I decided to do with that group is instead of, you know, just playing some recording over and over or saying certain sentences, I was like, you know, you guys are a K-pop group. You guys spend a lot of time dancing. You know how to dance. So if you're familiar with the company Steezy, it's an online dance studio. And there's one instructor in particular who teaches um, just like popular dances, some TikTok dances, some old school dances, just but like a specific move, not a whole song or a whole chorus. He'll just teach you this one specific move so you can, you know, bust it at the clubs or whatever. I don't know. Um, but he describes literally every move that every piece of your body makes. So instead of just being like, okay, first we're going to do this. And now we do this. He will be like, first, we're going to, you know, push our hand down. Like we're pressing on a table. We're going to do that three times. Okay. Now we're going to turn to the left and now we're going to, you know, whatever. And so I played that. I played one of them just to let them know what was happening. And then the next time I turned the video around so only I could see it. They had to listen to this man describe a dance move and then recreate it. Now to prepare that, I helped make sure that they were aware of body language terms, movement terms. You know, what does it mean to slide to the left? What does it mean? Um, there was one thing where even I had to like look it up. I was like, when he says knife your arm, it means this. No one else is ever going to use that. <laughs> so I'm just going to give it to you right now. He means do this. <laughs> um, and then just kind of let them go through. And, I was, and we listened to it three or four or five times, slowed it and stopped and slowed and stopped. But then at the end, I was like, okay, what do you think the dance is? And they had to do it. And then they would, and then I'd flip the video around and they could compare to what did they think the dance move was versus what it actually was. And um, they had a lot of fun with that. I had a lot of fun with that too. <laughs> That's a really great way of just as coming from a teaching perspective of knowing how your students learn and, you know, what kind of learners mm -hmm. they are and picking a subject matter that's going to be interesting to them rather than just saying, you know, giving them an English lesson, like you let them participate in something that they mm -hmm. enjoyed. And in that, the learning just kind of comes. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. How have your dance moves gotten? <laughs> They're not horrible. That's about... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was trolling your LinkedIn last night, <laughs> looking, okay. for stuff to, looking for some stuff to, to ask you. And, you know, speaking of Barbie, you had a post that like really resonated with me. And so I wanted to read what you... It was a post... Well, I'll explain it. I wanted to read what you posted and then ask you a little something about it. So you posted this and it was a this is a quote from Devin and it is pertaining to something that you reposted so your post says I spent years of my youth both proud of being a fangirl and simultaneously embarrassed by it 
When the media wants to make a point about someone overreacting or being obsessive, they'd show clips of young women screaming at Beatles concerts or lined up around the block for a boy band concert. Only recently did I realize just how much power we hold. That alone would have been a a great post. But then you attached it to something else, and it was in response to a post that you shared about how women control the purchasing power and social media influence with Gen Z, and it was using the Barbie movie and Taylor Swift's Eras Tour to name a couple of items that make this summer the what the post was titled, the Hot Girl Purchasing Power Influence Summer. Um, I loved your lead into the post. I love the post itself. This summer seems to be all about like unabashed female power. So what am I asking you? <laughs> so what, you know, cause we're, we're talking about fandom at the very beginning today and talking about, you know, Yungi and, and, you know, the stuff that we love and how much we love it. You know, Leah talking about that she has never participated this much and for this long in a fandom. So what was the turning point for you as far as simply owning your power to unabashedly like what you like? And how has there maybe been, do you think a societal shift that has made you realize the underlying strength in doing so. I wish I could say that there was like this one moment where I was like, aha, I know. <laughs> and now I am forever in my zone, you know? Um, but there hasn't been there. There have been moments and there have been roller coaster rises and falls equally. Um, this is not my first fandom by any stretch. I think I've always been, since at least an early teenager, always been some kind of a fan, a big fan of something. Um, but probably my heyday of being a fan was the Harry Potter everything. Um, so I got into that before the movies came out. I went to all the midnight premieres, yada, yada, yada. Um, but my biggest- Which house are you? In fandom- <laughs> I am a Slytherin, actually. <gasps> <laughs> two Slytherins and a Gryffindor. <laughs> I'm sorry for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, my biggest moment even within that was getting involved in what was called Wizard Rock, which if you're not familiar, was this very, very grassroots sub 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 genre of music where people just made music about harry potter um in most cases we made music as if we were characters in the harry potter series or existing ones or you know making up our own character or whatever um but it was because it was so specific and because it was so weird we had to all respect each other's weirdness um and this was, I mean, like 2007. So there was an internet and there was a social media, but there was not much of one at the time. So everything was in person. And in that, you know, I could become like a star, so to speak, because I was in one of these groups and that was my touring experience, actually, <laughs> was touring for Wizard Rock. I got interviewed by MTV. I was the coolest That's kid amazing. I'd ever known. <laughs> and I got... I had just some of the greatest experiences of my life because I was not someone who just read the books and thought they were pretty cool. Like I was in it, in it to win it. It was my morning, noon and night. And so that was like the height of it, but then it kind of starts to fall. And the reason that I posted that 
now is because I have been struggling with that, especially trying to build a company that caters to an industry that creates fandoms. I have been to varying degrees struggling with how do I sell my expertise and make sure it does not come off as, oh, this is just another girl who just wants to talk to K-pop boys. Oh, this is just another little white lady who thinks she is going to marry Gong Yu. Like, you too? That's what I was. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, I totally, that really, that really, really resonates. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just being unsure, how, how can I be both honest about the fact that I do have BTS tattoos more than one? I have multiple. I have listened to all these things. I have watched all these dramas. I have done all of this. And I am a professional Mm -hmm. expert at this thing. And that, that's something that I daily still struggle with and kind of keep pushing toward. I kind of feel like even not being in the line of work that you are, but, you know, Lee and I both being in totally different, you know, day job lines of work, I still feel like, like, I am super proud of my fandom. Like, I've, like you said, like, I've been a fandom, I've been in fandoms before. And before I got into everything K-drama, um, it was, it was Marvel. And it still is Marvel. Like, I'm, I'm still a Marvel fangirl. But that was something that at least other people understood and could relate to, right? Now getting into, like, you know, I went to, um, the, the Rose was in Chicago for Lollapalooza and they did a post Lala show Friday night at midnight. And I went to that midnight show and I'm telling people at work about it. They're like, what concert are you going to at midnight? And I'm like, it's a K-pop band. They're like, Oh, I'm learning so much about you. And part of me is like, what does that actually mean? Like, <laughs> and also I'm, I'm proud of it, but at the same time, I, I want to be taken seriously, even just with what I like. And I think that goes an extra step for you is that like you can love it but you also want to be taken seriously i don't just love it i know a lot about it and i can do something for you that you know i I have a transactional you know relationship Mm -hmm. here with you that is intelligent and is gonna benefit us both type of thing yeah yeah absolutely like i know we can see each other right now but everybody who's listening cannot but you can see behind me i do have a k-pop poster behind me. And I will be honest and slightly vulnerable with this. I chose this one on purpose. I do love him. It's Jonghyun. Um, and it is a poster from the last album, his last album, which was released posthumously. I do love, I do adore him. He is my newest tattoo is actually Jonghyun tattoo. Um, and I, I do adore him, but I put him here instead of BTS because he feels safe to me because no one is concerned that I'm trying to get into K-pop to meet someone who is no longer alive. Um, and there's, there's a long, you know, it's like, it shows that I'm theoretically didn't just get into them last year as if that matters, but there is some part of me. It's just like, no, no, I'm in, I'm in this and I'm also serious. Right. And I also roll. Um, so, I mean, I think of that even as I look at him pretty regularly, I'm just like, I, I have no regrets having him there, but why not also a BTS poster? Why not? Because I have one literally right there. <laughs> you just can't see it. Or why not 
Why not Min Ho? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know what I mean? <laughs> why, not, why not my other husband, Ethan Wu? You know? Um, Gonna have to fight you for everybody, basically, is where we're at right now. <laughs> listen, I don't, I don't need to fight you. I know. We can I share. share. We can share. I'm a sharing person. We can share. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is where it gets really tricky sometimes to talk about, like, you know, we'll talk about the rules of, like, the real world versus fantasy world. And, you know... I am a full grown adult who understands that there's two different things. And so, you know, I understand that there's like a fun fantasy world. I also understand that, you know, fandoms are created as safe. Like for me, honestly, fandoms are as much about the friendship and community and sense of belonging and self-empowerment as it is about like whatever the fan experience is. And so what you're saying resonates with me. And I also, this in, especially in the last couple of months, I've been really doing extra work to remove minimizing language because I'll often be like, oh, well, this is just like the little thing I like, or this is just my little like whatever. And I've been like, every time I hear it now, I'm like, shove it back in my mouth. Don't say the thing. Yeah. Don't take out the thing that minimizes it. And that has to do not only with a fandom experience, that has to do with any kind of entrepreneurial work that I'm doing. And so I wonder about that too. Like, you know, like you're, creating your own business, you're, you know, entrepreneurial yourself of just that idea of like, when I'm working on a book project being like, Oh, well, this is just this little book thing I'm doing. It's like, no, this is the book thing I'm doing. Or this is my little podcast that I do. Like being like, no, this is the podcast. I, do. <laughs> I just, like, I love how you're not officially calling me out, even though you did like <laughs> a week ago. Cause I did this exact thing. Cause it is, it's hard. It's hard to like own the power. I'm not, I'm like, I was emailing a I, called I know you, you called in. me in. I you did. You called me in. Because, because we, you know, we have, we have, um, three sister podcasts now and we're creating a network and we're super proud of it. But I said, like, oh, look at our little network go or something. And Leah's like, no, no, <laughs> we're not saying little. We're we don't say little. little. And she's right. She's right. But it's, yeah. And it's not because of Amy. Yeah. No, no, no. It's doing something untoward. Come I mean, into our power and this. admit yeah. that what we're doing is something amazing. And just because we're, trying to travel where nobody we know has traveled before, you know, kind of thing. Like why, why can't it be awesome that we're doing it? And I think fandom becomes very fascinating of what does it mean beyond to me, it's much more interesting than like, Oh, someone is like cute. So I want to hook up with them. Like that is not like the nature. That's the, I mean, look, whatever. I'm not going to yuck someone's yum. That is not the trajectory of my fandom. <laughs> like I'm here for many reasons and I'm not trying to like elevate it either. Like to be like, Oh, I'm just like so pure and beyond like anything. Like, yes, a hot person's a hot person. I have human eyeballs. I, I will acknowledge it doesn't hurt the experience, but it's not like the prime driver. I've liked fan, like, and I've talked about this in the podcast, I think a long time ago, but my first fandom that I got into was the monkeys. Yeah. A little late because like they were done. Same. Fully I, done. Was, I was <laughs> the same place as you, but I still yeah. loved them. And I realized being on the playground with like those bouncy horses from like the eighties that we had, I named my horse that I would get on and basically dry hump in the playground, Peter Tork, <laughs> which was one of the monkeys. And it was unusual to me that no one else knew what I was talking about. I'd be like, well, I'm going to go ride Peter Tork. Like, everyone knows Peter Tork. He's rad. And I'm, like, eight years old. And everyone else is like, what is happening? So I also got used to being like, if you like something a lot, try not to talk about it a lot or you're not going to have very many friends. 
the wisdom of ages. No, no, no. Talk about it a lot. Then you'll just call all the people that like are not your people, and the only people that will hear you will be the other ones who want to ride that orange. Right, because that's gonna get, it's gonna bring you that one friend, that one new friend that you didn't know was out there. <laughs> rather than you know, so what if it's gonna alienate seven people if it brings one more person into the fold of the fandom? Yeah, Torque, you say? <laughs> I do want to ride him very aggressively in the shape of a small metal horse. I mean, I was years old. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so, okay, well, what is something that we haven't asked about you or your work that we really should? Uh, I really struggle with this one too. I, I think I guess I will say one other thing. I like to talk about because I am in a transitionary period back to that is I started out the first thing I even mentioned on this whole talk was that I had written that biopic um on the Augusty mixtape um so to me one of the biggest roles that any fandom plays is how I put myself in the world but also how I want to experience my media, my media, medium formats, whatever. Um, to me, fandom has always played a huge part in how I see myself. And so as I'm now trying to transition away from spending 80 hours a week on building this business and doing all this kind of stuff, I really want to scale back and get back to my writing. And the thing is that while I am still fandomish, I really am not at the height of my k-pop Korean culture fandom like I was and this isn't me being like I'm not that into it anymore I just in fact it actually kind of breaks my heart a little that I don't feel it to the depths of my soul like I did you know even a few years ago I just I just don't I don't have a reason I just don't so as I'm starting to try to transition back to writing more and getting more done my first hesitation is but what am I going to write about I don't wake up thinking about how Namjoon is the greatest thing that has ever happened to this planet. I have to have a cup of coffee first before I have that thought, you know? It takes a little time. It's not instant. Um, but so I'm just like, what, what do I write about? Because that's all that it ever really was, even if it wasn't explicitly about that. Um, one example I can give is that I had started something. It was an exercise for myself to can I start something and pretend that it's going to be fan fiction when I know with absolute certainty it will not be like the, the goal of it is not to finish a whole fan fiction and go I wonder if I can just change the names you know to start it write a couple of chapters and then switch instantly within that process and it is that is one of the pieces of work that there is not a single human being on this planet who could give me significant feedback that I would be like, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. This is perfect. This is my swan song. And I think, am I ever going to beat that? Because I do not feel fandom so deeply in my heart. And how much of that is because of feeling so embarrassed and ashamed or guilty or nervous or whatever trying to build this business that's something i've been thinking about a lot lately. so you think there might be some an underlying connection that maybe you haven't fully understood yet mm -hmm. 
haven't fully understood and haven't really known what to do with whatever I have understood. Yeah. I want you to be able to have, I was going to say, I want you to be able to have both. I want you to be able to have the business and your fandom and be I, proud of both. Too. That's, that's my goal for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I think it's, again, it's that interesting intersection of where, what does fandom do in terms of appreciation, pre appreciating content and the creation of content, be it either through like, you know, a story that's made up like Harry Potter or a K-pop experience, which is very curated and personality. Like, you know, yes, there may be some truth to it, but it is like, you know, there's a fiction element very much to it, even if it's real people. Um, and so being like that inspires me and gives me joy. And I want to like create, yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation to have with yourself of like, where does that inspiration come from? And if you I feel like it's a whole, I will not get into like therapeutic coaching work with you. Right she now. could though. She is, she is a trained coach. So you should, you two should talk offline. Well, I'm not telling you no. <laughs> okay. Um, but for now, let's do a quick pivot back to some fun before we, you know, end it back with a little more banter. So, okay. Amy, do you want to speak to this or shall I? How about I'll set it up and then you can, you can speak to it because it's, so, uh, and I did mention it already earlier that we did have some some BTS related joy today, and Leah, being the super considerate friend that she is, because the the video dropped at ten o'clock my time, eight o'clock your time, messaged me on Slack like two minutes before. Is <laughs> like the new video about to drop right now, and I'm like, I know, I'm there, <laughs> just sitting on YouTube waiting for it. But Leah, take it away, because this is this is your your BTS week to shine. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so yeah, we had the enlistment uh, news from Sugar happen, and then basically hot in the heels of that, all in the same day, uh, big hit. Uh, the company behind BTS announced that uh, Kim Tae Hyung was releasing at long last on September eighth his long awaited first album, which is going to be called Layover. It was like, oh my gosh new album coming what fun this is i'm really underplaying the reaction <laughs> and then it was like and not only that but we're gonna like kick it off with like quite a few music videos and one is coming right now bitches and so this morning uh love me again dropped on youtube and this is produced by the same woman who's behind the new jeans phenomenon and look i would just say that the if you're coming from a K-drama lens, Kim Tae Hyung or V, he's done two very good um, OSTs. He's done uh, Christmas Trees from Our Beloved Summer, and he's done Sweet Night from Itaewon Class. And I would say Love Me Again really fits within kind of the, if you like those, you're going to like this song. He has the role of a heartbroken lover. His voice is very, it can he can do a good falsetto. It can be very like deep and sensual. He is in... Um, he looks like he just went pool dancing at He's an orgy. He's in a sequined mock turtleneck that has never looked yeah. better. Never looked better. <laughs> one gold, one red. Yeah, one, one sleeveless, yeah. one with sleeves. <laughs> Diamond ear cuff, and he is in a cave, and there's like a retro TV kind of playing that's showing some of the lyrics. And he's to the blonde. Song. And he's blonde. So there, yeah, he's blonde. Mm -hmm. Important. He does a lot of like for me that tarnish. It almost feels like it's like 
after a long night at Studio 54 and you smell like cigarettes and probably like body fluids and like a couple spilled drinks. He doesn't look like that though. <laughs> no, but he like he looks like he's just yeah. and I'm like is it a fallen angel or a rising de- like a demon trying to get to Icarus? I don't know, but it's a beautiful video, a beautiful song. If any of the two of you want to weigh in on anything else before we move on, the floor is yours. I loved being I love that I was working from home today and that I got to watch it live because I never would have if I wasn't working from home. Um there's that speaking of fandoms like when you sit in an open cubicle at work you can't just have youtube open and watching um bts stuff which i would like to be able to do um so it was an absolute joy and i was so excited to be one of the first i think there were already like seven thousand views when it dropped so yeah one of the first seven thousand to see it i was actually catching up on your alchemy of souls episode um mm -hmm, and i got the notification i was like (laughs) Hold on, <laughs> if ever you should pause us for something, you yeah, that's it. Please <laughs> hold. So that was great to go like sandwich that right in the middle. I was like, yes, okay. I I feel it. I feel it in my soul. It was a good morning. It was a good morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we get more. Yeah. So the next one, by the time this is out, we're going to also have the next song, Rainy Days, coming out which will be out on the 11th. So that will be the second and I think only other pre-release song coming out before the album. So there we go. So that's the Love Me Again. If you have, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you've certainly seen the video by now, but just in case you haven't, we will put it in the show notes and you'll be able to click and go watch. So now that we've talked a bit about banter, we are talking about fandoms as well. Let's do, let's kind of close out with some fun, like get to know you questions for all of us um, and talk about our K-entertainment fangirlishness. I think it's, it's a fun way to get to know each other. So let's just start with which aspect of Korean entertainment, be it K-dramas, K-pop, cinema, literature, or variety shows brings you the most joy and why? I very typically 60% of the time it's K-pop, 40% of the time K-dramas. I'm going to say I am probably, look, it ebbs and flows. But because of right now and because uh, we're moving into like the high level of like enlistment period with Chicken, I'm going to be in my fields for the next, you know, month, couple weeks. I'm going to say I'm probably like 70%. BTS, 30% K-drama, but normally I'd say I'm more like 50% K-pop overall and 50% drama. And I'm usually like 90% K-drama and maybe like 10% K-pop. However, I sat down tonight to watch an episode of Because This Is My First Life for the first time in a week because the past week for me has been nothing but The Rose and Wusan content, which is now being just fed to me on youtube and i am not sorry i watched him do a lie detector test today like yeah i i'm not sorry about it at all it was it's it's been an experience so i was i was hit hard um at that concert and it's it's not going away so is there a drama actor or actress that no matter what the drama or film you're gonna watch it if they're in it (laughs) i didn't behave on this one gong you you meant yeah, we said I, I one. Did it. So I no, did it. Do it doesn't one. say. It doesn't say one. It doesn't say one. I wrote the question. 
Doesn't I, I interpret I interpret uh <laughs> differently. So I'm gonna do it fast. Gong Yu, Imin Ho, Ijeok, Roon, Kim Goan, Shin Hai San, An Bo Hyun. There we go. <laughs> You're the worst. All right, Devin, you get one. <laughs> um, I don't have a good answer to this. Mine is more like a subway. I pick one actor and I watch a few, and then I get off at another actor. That's how. That is how it happens, so right? I can't. Yeah. Pick one. Yeah, that's how I. Yeah, that's how I do. Right now, it's Fang uh, Minhan, uh, Soyu. So I do a so I like that subway analogy. I would like to borrow it. I will give you credit. And I would say right now I am on the Ijeon Ho subway. So yes, you are. Uh, I just did Rain or Shine. I've done King the Land, and I will be doing the Red Sleeve. So I am just like chugging along on that. And actually, I'm on one other as well. And I just blinked on his name. So give me one second. You said Alchemy of Souls, but I'm about to start this drama as well because Amy's just going to murder me because I'm not watching what I meant You're to be gonna watching. You're going to have to. You've got two <laughs> weeks now. You have two weeks for See You in My 19th Life. For we'll two see. weeks. Um, <laughs> Wang Minhyun, who plays the second male lead in Alchemy of Souls and is now in a new drama. Um, I am also really, I have just fully jumped onto that one. So my lovely liar has just started coming out and uh, I will be watching that now because I'm all about him. If you need a guest star to talk about my lovely liar, please let me know. I'm happy to come back. Okay, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I love him. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so have you tried learning the Korean language and what has the experience been like? Uh, try to make this short. Yes, I have tried. Um, turns out I have like a weird auditory processing disorder. So literally when spe- people speak to me in Korean, my brain is like, I don't understand understand this language. I've never heard it in my entire life. But if you say it again, I will know exactly what you're saying and I'll be able to respond. But that doesn't work in real life and it just heightens my anxiety. So I've studied for years, but I'm still terrible. It's TLDR. Um, I can go next, which is my Duolingo thinks I am a corpse. Same. Because (laughs) it's like, you you can't, why can you not progress? What is wrong? So um, I started the same day as my daughter being like, let's learn Hangul. We're stuck in the house. Let's go for it. She now speaks at like a certified like TESOL intermediate level and does two days of tutoring a week. We're going to be going to Seoul in a couple, like a month and a half. And she's going to be like, basically my guide. And I'm still trying to get through identifying sounds at Hangul. So I'm not proud. I can teach you Hangul in 30 minutes. Okay. Sold. Let's, Seriously. I'll, and, then I'll t- and then I'll tell you how to break through your creative block and we'll make oh a Oh my gosh, please. Can I be a part of, can I be a part of all of this? Because I did. I tried during the pandemic. Yes. I was really into it. Like I had workbooks. I was, you know, I was doing Duolingo, but I was also doing some other apps that, you know, taught you how to draw the letters and stuff like that. And I could read them. Like I, I could make all the sounds. I couldn't write it, you know, to save my life, but I could read them. And then the pandemic, well, I mean, it's, you know, COVID's still here. Like I, I know somebody who has it at this, you know, very moment. It's still here, but like, the shutdown ended, right? We went back to work. And I lost that time that I had to dedicate towards this. And so I haven't done it in like over a year now. And you know, when you're an adult trying to learn another language, that goes away very quickly. Like we don't have the language acquisition skills that like, you know, your daughter has Leah. So no, I'm I'm back. I feel like I'm back where I started. But actually, a friend's teenager who is teaching themselves Korean right now recommended a website to me that I'm going to try. It's howtostudykorean.com. So we'll see 
how that goes. Oh, good. So you're okay. I love them. Yes. And yes. And okay. <laughs> um, it is great if you love to understand grammar. So this is, so I was I an, think, I was I an English think, teacher for 13 years. I love if grammar. You, <laughs> if you want to deeply understand grammar from like a linguistic point of view, that is the singular website you should okay. use. It's going to make it very slow to learn, but you will under, you will comprehend okay. it. I could lead a whole thing on just teaching people how to learn any language. That's really what I do. I just happen to teach people how to learn how to speak English. But yeah, happy to share my tips on learning any language effectively for whatever your goals happen to be. I, I want to be able to multitask while I'm watching a K-drama, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't, I mm-hmm. I have to read those subtitles. I have subtitles on when I watch English shows because I my kids like it too even. Like we just like it on there in case somebody misses something. Mm-hmm. Like we, we don't have to like pause or back it up. We see what they said if somebody's talking over it. But that's not the case, you know, with a K-drama. I can't, can't fold a basket of laundry while I'm watching a K-drama. I can't which is why I just live out of my basket of clean clothes rather than put it away. <laughs> That's what I say yeah. too. <laughs> okay. So how about K-pop bias and bias wrecker from any particular group? I'm BTS OT7. I refuse to pick a favorite. I won't. You can't make me. <laughs> um, TXT. I have a tie for Yeonjun and Taehyun. Those will be my two. I'll pick. I do have BTS bias. Kim Suk Jin. I miss him terribly. Good choice. And my bias wrecker is Jungkook, who kept me on my couch on Saturday when I was supposed to be heading to the city for like pre... Sorry, not not Saturday. Friday? Saturday? Friday. I don't know what day is what. It was Friday. Um, kept me on my couch, glued to my, um, my Weavers, because he was just live, <laughs> vacuuming his kitchen and doing whatever. Um, and we couldn't get off the couch until he went to bed. Um, so yes, Jungkook is my bias wrecker. And then my, my new, my new love is the Rose, bias, uh, Wusong. And bias wrecker is Jaehyung. But I love all four of them. I love all four. Yeah. I mean, I do too. So I'll just go with, let's see. I'm going to go with for BTS OT7 with they're all my favorites. And, uh, I am a big Minyunki bias, bias wrecker, Pak Mim. And then I'm going to go with Shiny, just because, you know, we've already talked about them a little bit today. So, look, I love Key, and I love Minyuki. I think my favorite Shiny member is pretty pretty obvious. OT5, Jonghyun, yeah. <laughs> forever. Yeah. And then Taemin is my child. I don't care that he's 30. He's my child. Um, he is a child. <laughs> and look, I again, he's a whole person <laughs> with social and emotional, you know, everything like i am not breaking him down to any one part of himself Correct. and i want to say that the performance he did recently in a crop top and tie i don't want to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> i just want to say like many blessings yes <laughs> is there a specific korean dish you really love and what about a food you want to try and talking about real snacks right right food food, food that you can <laughs> put in your mouth and ingest oh. yes <laughs> oh um my favorite is chapche which are the glass noodles um and it was funny you guys mentioned Al- alchemy of souls because i've literally been like man i really want to try the yakwa the um those little flower yes I forget what are they They're honey in English. They're, they? weren't they like honey, honey. honey? Something with honey biscuits or cookies. It was like a honey biscuit or something like that. 
I'll find the name of them because we have another podcast after Nuna Army and one of the hosts, Grace, is Korean American and she um yeah, has the hookup on like where to grab those. Because yeah, she said you can get you can order them, can't you? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, my friend and I um, did virtual watch party to watch all of Alchemy of Souls. And after, like, I don't know, halfway through the first season, she was just like, is this show sponsored by the Honey Biscuit <laughs> Corporation or something? Because <laughs> it's just how often they talk about them. I was like, I don't know, but it's working. Now, even though Megan is not here, I just, because it's fun to do this with her with Alchemy of Souls, would you say that episode 20 is a cliffhanger? <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, but I agree with you guys' point of view where... No, Megan is the only one who thinks it's not a cliffhanger. Megan is the only one. Yeah, no. It's 100%. Just agree with us. It had complete and. It was like a, yes, this is a story. And... (laughs) So that's how I that's how I interpreted it. But at no point would I have not called that a cliffhanger. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Hope you're enjoying you can London, be on our Megan. team. Yes. <laughs> well, we're just here throwing you under the bus again. All right, Leah, food for you. Um, so I really like soup in general. So I'm going to go with the um, soft tofu soup, the sundubu jjigae. I really like it. When I go to Koreatown, that's what I get. Um, I also like something which, you know, I used to try to be more healthier and embrace the California kale aesthetic. I don't anymore. So, so tuck, which is like the fuki and cocktail sausage on a stick. I really like it. And a food I want to try is, look, since our blues, I've been obsessed with wanting to have Sunday, the blood really? sausage. So, and also from Fight for oh My Oh my Day. gosh. Yeah. I really... We, so- Apparently it has a very mochi texture and I love, I love me a mochi. So yes. So at the, at the market that Tanya and I were at on Friday before we made it to the city um, where we ate in like the small food court, um, they did have a Sunday stand, but both of us were not brave enough to try. So we, we got some other stuff, but I did have, um, I had fish cutlet, which was delicious. I don't even like know what kind of fish they use, but it was delicious and light and flaky and breaded and I ate every bite of it and because we wanted to try everything we also ordered a big bowl uh, we didn't know how big it was going to be of black bean noodles to try because we're like we have to try black bean noodles and they were delicious but we could not finish the whole bowl because we both had full full plates of other stuff as well um and then what do I want to try I want to try like every Korean street food in the world. I just want to like walk through Seoul and eat from every cart. Like I want some, you know, legit tteokbokki. I want some, some mandu, some dumplings, fish cake. I want a Korean corn dog. I want a roasted sweet potato. Um, and like polish it all off with some convenient stir kimbap. That's Ugh. yeah. That I just want to like travel Ugh. down the street and eat all of that. <laughs> The thing I miss the most from Korea is the the triangle kimbap, samgak kimbap. I just is perfect. It is everything you want it to be. So, okay. A place that you would like to visit in South Korea and why? So, yeah, I, I mean, I want to go everywhere because I've never been. But, of course, I want to go to Jeju because beautiful, like absolutely beautiful. Um, I have been. I'm actually planning my fifth trip oh, for wow. November. Um, and I've spent 90% of that time in Seoul just for all of the reasons. Um, I would like to see Busan again. I would love to see Jeju, but I would also love to see Namhae, which is another island. It's kind of right off of the south coast of um, Korea, not quite as far down as Jeju, 
but it's apparently just gorgeous over there. Um, and I'm going to Seoul for my first time in early October. And so one place that I'm really excited to go to is um, Cheonggaecheon, the stream that mm. is downtown Seoul. Um, do you, yes, no, thumbs up, thumbs down. I just think it's I think it's cool. lovely. It's really nice to walk by. And there's a lot of other cool stuff to do in that area. So it's not like one of those places where you go and you're like, okay, well, I'm here. Now I have to go 20 minutes to do anything else yes. that I want. <laughs> it's it's really well-placed. Are you, Leah, are you going to go to the um, abandoned amusement park? I am not actually, because I'm not there long <laughs> enough. So <laughs> um, yes, how to magic. We had one of our, so one of our sister pods after Nuna asks, Sarah went from Cambridge to school for work and she went to the amusement park. She did the ultimate K-drama tour of Seoul. Like, I don't know how she found the time because she was there for work too. But yeah, she went to... I am really endeared by her and Grace because I appreciate both of them so much and they're both so much more type A than me. So they're really good planners. And so they've been really generous with like sharing ideas of things to do and lists. And I'm just like, how I'm going to probably do this is I'm going to show up and be like, just hey, let's stumble around like until here. you have to go back to the airport. <laughs> That's how, how I prefer to do personally. <laughs> <laughs> and so I will be doing a very different tour where I'll be like, yeah, cause Sarah like did a show talking about like all these things she saw. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be like, I don't even know how she, I still am like, cause I, I uploaded that show into our distribution platform and I put her, I remember putting her show notes in and it's like, like at least a couple pages long if you put it on a document. And I was, I don't know how she did all that, but I'm, I'm so impressed. But yeah, and she did like, and, and getting so that the abandoned amusement park, which is in like, um, it's in Sound of Magic. It's, it's in a bunch of, it's in a, in a bunch of dramas, but, uh, it's not like, Right, like she had to do some walking to get there. Like it's not like a place that's just like they just drop you at the gate kind of thing. Oh no, she had a she had a journey to get there. It's not like immediately. It's not like around the corner from like you know Seoul Tower or something. Not so yeah, I feel I feel yeah. like I feel like that's it was it was a bit harrowing. All right, well let's we've got two more questions to go. So one thing is just very quickly, what is something that you're looking forward to in the world of K entertainment? I'm looking forward to watching My Lovely Liar. I haven't started it yet, but that's on my list. And I'm looking forward to the Rowoon drama that's dropping, um, Destined With You with Joe Boa and Yura from Girls' Day. And it sounds super fun. It sounds like there's a little bit of a magical element to it. And... I mean, it's Rowan, and he was on my list of I will watch anything he's in, and this is true. I'm like, I'm just going to speak my truth and not minimize that it makes me feel dorky, but I am looking forward to when BTS is done with enlistment. <laughs> there is nothing yeah. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. None. All right. So as we close out, Devin, this has been really fun. Um, just looking ahead, what are aspirations or plans just a big dream for the growth and development of banter so we can all be manifesting. Um, I just want to grow the client list a little more. And as I said before, really start reaching into the um, drama and film sphere quite a bit more. Um, I don't, I haven't had as much access there and I feel like that's where I could probably help even the most. So that's it. Okay. Well, I feel like we manifested this meeting, so we're going to manifest the progression of banter and hope that we get to hear more about hitting your goals in the very near future.
And my lovely liar. Let's do it. Yes. Great. Let me know. <laughs> and we'll do it before I no, get to No, do not encourage her to keep putting off <laughs> you in my 19th life. Like, why? It's Anbo Hyun. Like, at his greatest. Look, you know what? And I'm going to leave. Okay. I'm sorry that I'm making this too long. But here's my thing. I don't know why I don't want to watch it. I don't. I have no good reason. And... I will argue isn't his finest because I loved Yumi Cells 1 and 2 that nobody would watch. Yet I have everyone crawling up my butt to watch. <laughs> no one's <laughs> crawling up your butt. This has just been on our calendar. <laughs> Yumi Cells never was. And I'm sorry that I don't want to watch a drama that does not end happily. It will eventually. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't yet. And so when the third season, if the third season ever comes, then maybe I'll jump on board. But not, I'm not going into it knowing that An Bo Hyun is only the hero for a minute. <laughs> he's adorable. And he's adorable in See You in My 19th Life. Look, you can tell me I told you so. I just need to somehow, I don't know what it is. I don't have any good reason. I feel like there's no way you can like it now because I'm just forcing you into it. And so you're, you're no, going like to be looking for reasons not to. Shin Hye Sun is amazing. It's not just An Bo Hyun. That's the reason I want to watch it for her. She's one of my favorites because of this drama. She's one of my favorites. So when we close it out, we just say, oh, well, first let's thank so. Devin for being here. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, guys. It's fine. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> so I'm really bad and notorious in my house. And my extended family and maybe friends for when it's time to get off the phone. I Are just, you like, like, you're just, just gone. Say, like, I just movies? say, okay, bye. And like, somebody's still apparently talking like, oh, well, good. But like, I guess there's niceties to be exchanged. And when I, it's time to get off the phone. I just Yeah. Get off see, the when phone. you, when you are like me and you come from a Jewish family saying goodbye, takes at least a half an hour <laughs> and it depends on how many people are there. But at the very least, Leah, when you have a guest, you think I'm them sorry. If it was on my yeah. phone, I would just be like, thank you so much, Devin. Okay, bye, click. And then you'd still like, oh, it was really okay. And Devin's <laughs> trying to set up like when you're gonna like talk about my lovely liar and Leah's already like in the car. <laughs> on that note, thank you, Devin, for being here. This was wonderful <laughs> and lovely, and we wish you and Banter all of the success. And we hope to Thank have you, you back soon because this is a lovely addition to our podcast. Yay. Thank you. I'd love to anytime. And now we can tell her <laughs> that the way that we sign off usually on our podcasts is we try at the same time, but never at the same time. We all say Anyang. So thank you everyone for being here. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Anyang. Anyang. <laughs> Kamsamnida! Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A F T E R N O O N A D E L I G H T.com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K pop and K skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!